This is Over the Culture Podcast, where you get to hear my spin on things I like, like music, sports, sports entertainment, movies, TV shows, and your mom. You also get to hear about things I don't like, like a junkyard called Pull Apart. And I am your bastard of ceremonies, the one gig kid, Pat Stay Black, Alex Treblack, Reefer Sutherland, Luke Fly Talker, the most interesting lured in podcasting, the troller of trolls, the prince of petty, the macho Mandalorian, Steve G. Yeah. Sometimes so much shit be going on. You don't even know where to start. Stop. This my illest shit today. Niggas out here broke, now they wish I would take a break. They ain't got no hope, so they only defense is hate. Slip the pinky ring on and slap niggas in they face. BM used to hit the college parties with a mace. She see anybody mugging poppy, they get sprayed. She been rubbing off on my daughter cause they the same I'm a family man but got cousins that can't relate uh, Feeding other people just put more shit on my plate Word to section 8, I keep these niggas in they place Freeney used to call for an opinion, guess what he say Always stay ahead of the curve and you gon' be straight I don't know what it means to be thought of as a disgrace Lead that to you boys who say nothing when face to face with a boss player. Poppy the Cartier, extraordinaire. Love ain't worth a damn, but who fucking cares? It's more than theirs. I know shorty's cold as the morning air and polar bears. Pussy don't do well with appraisals when it got wear and tear. Couldn't measure up to my old ones while they comparing theirs. Up in solo pics in the bus, but I know they sharing theirs. Type of niggas dip with your bread like the shit was marinara. Kinda high dipping your bitch, so I guess it's fair and square. I'm coming with the flavor like I'm Ben and Jerry. She fucked me like she's single, but she very married. They on my head, they know it's dead, it's getting very scary. Leave that brother shit in the box that the Paul Bear carries. I never needed sickness for the social distance. I mind my own business, I need no assistance. I'm still a pimp, I got my shit permed and conditioned. Give a bitch a whole list of terms and conditions. I'm Yami Yugi, pull your card if you a dark magician. And when it's artificial, I can feel the difference I got enough momentum, niggas owe with interest Froze all they accounts when they was burning bridges I handle niggas different when I learn they bitches Now I might get her attention just to cur they bitches My closing bars are always hard, I gotta serve a sentence I never ask for explanations, I prefer repentance You told me you was with it, but you were pretending Praying for you niggas even though you don't deserve forgiveness Straight up. It's November 13th, 2022. And over the week, I was looking to replace my fender, my driver's side fender, because uh, the whole time I've been in Atlanta, my car has been a hot mess. Uh, The bumper has been diagonal and the fender was poking out, poking out and rusted. And this was all stemmed from a, a bad crash that I had when I still lived in Ohio and I had never gotten any of it replaced. I had ran into a mailbox uh, because it was slippery outside, uh, it was icy roads, it was snowing, and I hadn't got adjusted to driving in such conditions after living in Houston for so long. And here we are now, 2022. I, I got the extra funds to be able to do this and, and get my car back to looking like a normal car. And I want to do it piece by piece. And I wanted to do it all by myself. 
I, I figure, hey, Fender, go to AutoZone, get the parts that you need to get the Fender off, get the Fender, and then go from there. So getting the Fender, oh my God, just getting the Fender was like pulling hairs. I chose the, I guess, obvious route and went to this place. It's a popular place in the Atlanta area called Pull Apart. And Pull Apart is a junkyard that, hey, if they have your car, look it up online to see if they have it in the lot and then go from there. Maybe they'll have the parts. But the thing with Pull Apart, they don't have a location number. There's no number where you can just call and talk to a person. Everything is virtual. Hi, what can I help you with today? I don't like that shit because virtual, I get it. Everything is about efficiency and, you know, just cutting down on your your budget, cutting down on your time. So having the virtual assistant shit, which is something a lot of companies use, it's cost efficient. It's time efficient. You don't have to staff for such for customer service but that virtual customer service doesn't cover all areas because I know that they have my car they have several different Nissans from this year but if I wanted to know for sure if they have the part I have to do this whole runaround I have to call and just yell person person zero pound zero person 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 after about seven, 16 of these goddamn things, I finally get a hold of a person. And of course, the person is not at the location. This is a person at the headquarters who can transfer me back to that goddamn virtual customer service. No, and I have to let them know, dude, I waited for about a day and a half just to get a hold of you. Please do not transfer me back. Please don't transfer me back to that damn virtual. So, Instead of transferring me to the virtual, the person transferred me to a, a, another person, but that person wasn't at the head, wasn't at the location. This was a person that was just at a, uh, I don't know, at the fucking, at another headquarters, goddammit. So as I, I'm talking to this person, I said, hey, I know you guys have my car. I know my car is in that lot. They have a, a, a black, specifically a black Nissan Altima of this year. And I want to know for sure before I make that drive, because it's not like you guys are readily available just down the street. Before I make that drive, I want to know for sure if they have my part. And so after waiting about 15 minutes with this dumb broad, the punk bitch comes back and tells me about a Honda. And I really wish I could reach through the goddamn phone. And I said, bitch, what part? I didn't say this, but I wanted to. Bitch, what part? Of what I said and what I asked for did you hear Honda I said Nissan Altima and it's black and y'all have it I want to know if y'all got the driver's side fender you dumb bitch so I had to ask this bitch twice you sure so she she checked after I corrected her and I was like all right you sure this is the part for the Nissan Altima not not a Honda whatever the hell and she said, yeah, I, I, I think, yeah, yeah, she still sounded unsure. So I just said, fuck it. Let's just make this drive. So I go to the pull apart here in North Atlanta and I had to make a hike when I got there. The, the, the rows in this junkyard are endless. I go down there. I find the car. 
same color, they got the part, it's intact, it's not as fucked up as my original Fender, and alright, let's go ahead and get that one. So, I walk all the way a year and a half back to the pull-apart and tell them, hey, I found the car, I found the part, hey, you mind pulling it? So they have a designated person to pull these parts, and now I know it's only one person to pull all the parts for all these different fucking cars. Shame on you, pull apart. You need more people to pull these fucking parts. So, oh, and by the way, when I did find the part, I asked the guy, you know, who was there. Um, hey, man, I found this part. I see you're pulling parts. Uh, when you're done with that, you mind uh, getting this one for me? And he's like, hey, you got to go back. And he kind of he was short with me. And I didn't like that. He's like, yeah, yeah, you go back in the store and tell him. It's like, all right. So I go back in the store, tell him, hey, pull this part from my car. And the bitch behind the counter, she was short with me. This fucking podunk ass Roseanne Brett Butler ass uh, slim Virginia slim ass batty beanhead bitch. How many consonants can I fit in a sentence? This Betty Beanhead bitch. She acted like I just took her last bush light. Her tall can of Forco, Loco, Four Loco, whatever the fuck. And I said, hey, uh, yeah, I found the part. I found the car. Uh, you mind pulling it? So I had to fill out this ticket. And she said, all right, uh, you know, you're behind about two or three people. So I go outside and wait, thinking, oh, this is going to be a breeze. I'll just wait outside in my car. Uh, I go back in, you know, they got to be close to me. So I go back in after waiting an hour. And nah, they're not even close to being done with the initial car when I first got there. And she was like, you know, they can just call you. It's like, all right, then, bitch, I'm just going to go home. So I go home, I wait and I wait, and it's getting close to closing time. They close at five, no phone call. All right, so I'll just, I guess they'll call me in the morning. They never got done with those other cars. Well, wake up, it's one o'clock in the afternoon, two o'clock in the afternoon, still no call. I call back to the headquarters and I had to do that whole run around to get to the other headquarters to get to the other headquarters hey man uh I didn't appreciate my experience at the pull apart uh the the guy there that was pulling the parts he was kind of mean to me the lady behind the counter she was being mean to me and they told me they'd call me they only had about two or three people in front of me and I'm pretty sure they gotta be done with that by now and so they said, like, okay, we can escalate this and, you know, we can file a complaint, blah, 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 blah. Um, ultimately, it led me to just making that drive back to pull apart. And I came back and I was pissed and I got my black Karen on. Let me speak to the manager. I don't give a fuck. Who, who, where's the manager? So they, they point me in the direction of the manager. I talk to the man who looks like House uh, from the show House. And he said, uh, what's your name? I said, Stephen Garrett. He looks up the ticket and he's like, well, they got about five people. How do we go from two to three people to four or five people in front of me? What the? Wait, wait, wait. He's like, all right, let's walk out to the lot to see if he dropped the part off. Walk out to the lot. Sure enough, my part is the only part there just sitting there shining in the light. Well, I'll be John Brown. Goddamn. And I didn't get a call. Thank you, house. 
And so I, let's just wrap this shit up. I, I go out to the counter, paid for the part, got the fuck out of there, never again. But on my way out, there was a black man there that worked at the counter, and, and I didn't appreciate that motherfucker. Maybe he's in the sunken place. Maybe it's just something about that location to pull apart. Maybe that pull apart was built on the fucking top of tombs of slaves. Maybe it's haunted. I don't know. But as I walk out to the exit, you know, I, I see the brother to the side of me. I saw him in my peripheral. And I just do the uh, universal black man head nod. All right, brother, have a good one. This motherfucking spook by the door just stares at me. Just stares at me. As if this whole pull apart experience wasn't shitty enough. The soul brother, and I lose that term loosely. I use that term loosely. The, 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 the nigga by the door who was wearing a pull apart vest or whatever the fuck he was required to wear for this job. The motherfucker just stone cold stared at me. Didn't head nod. Didn't like, all right, bro, take it easy. None of, none of that. Simple. I don't know. Maybe he's worked there long enough to be indoctrinated by the fucking white supremacy. Maybe he's mad at me because he works at Pull Apart. But I will say this. Fuck you, coon by the door. And fuck you, Pull Apart. Hey, Pull Apart, why don't you pull apart my penis from my boxers and taste it? Speaking of coons, this goddamn Herschel Walker. This shit is ridiculous. Because the candidates didn't get 50% or higher in this, this Senate race, there's a runoff. There's a runoff. And, and I hope that maybe that, maybe that confused Herschel Walker. Maybe he, he's like preparing to go for a 40 yard dash or something. No, this is a different kind of runoff, Herschel. And maybe some of the people in your corner, at least told you that there's a lot of shit that they haven't been telling you in your corner but maybe at least they told you and informed you about this runoff and you know the runoff between him and Raphael Warnock the fact that it's gotten to this point it just makes me want to piss blood um and I'm be real with you this time around I did not fucking vote there I said it sue me what I just didn't fucking feel like it. I didn't feel like it, okay? Fuck it. Alright? I didn't. I'm just fed up. I, I got a lot of shit going on. And I just didn't feel like voting for shit. Vote for these fucking nuts. Vote for Pull Apart North Atlanta to just fucking demolish one day. An act of God. Let's vote for that. Let's just vote for that pull apart to just fucking self implode. With the coon by the door, the fucking Brett Butler bitch. And you know what? How keep House out of it. Cause House was a he, he was a kind gentleman. He was friendly. Keep House out of it. But the coon by the door and Brett Butler Roseanne Light bitch, Bush Light, tall can drinking bitch, fuck them. I that's what that's my vote. Can we get that on the ballot? Anyways, like, I don't know who the fuck, I, I, well, I know Donald Trump, he wound this motherfucking niggas back up. Hey, you don't need to be smart. You don't need to be specialized in politics. You don't need to go to school. You don't need to finish school. You're popular. You're in Georgia. They love you in Georgia. They pat you on the head. They give you butter biscuits all the time. You want more butter biscuits? And Herschel was like, yeah, I want them butter biscuits. I like them butter biscuits. 
you this this reminds me uh, in a way of a, a warped charlie murphy true hollywood story you know when rick james is like what i look like putting my feet on eddie murphy couch yeah i remember putting my feet on eddie murphy couch cocaine is a hell of a drug but in in herschel's case it's more like yeah what i look like running for senate united states george yeah i'm just a football player yeah you know what i think i'm gonna run for senate united states in georgia yeah Herschel Walker for Senator. CTE is a hell of a thing. CTE is a hell of a thing. So hopefully Raphael Warnock wins. Uh, You know, I'm not too heavy on politics. I'm more of a societal person. Speak on social shit. Less politics. And I will say Coons, which is what Herschel Walker is. Looks like a coon, smells like a coon, walks like a coon. God damn it, he's a fucking coon. God damn it. Get your Clarence Thomas on, Herschel. Fucking assholes. And then think about these fucking assholes. And you know, I, I, I this is something I, I feared to ever become. I never want to be a coon. Never. I, I spent four years at a suburban high school, predominantly white as fuck. There were only a handful of us black people throughout the fucking school. Just about a handful. You could probably count with two hands. Nothing more. And even as a teenager, as a young adolescent, I never wanted to be looked at as one of those type of Negroes. Never. And I'm bringing all of that up to say... I've been speaking in full detail about how I feel about Kyrie and Kanye. Kanye and Kyrie, uh, they're very similar in a way. They they speak their piece. Whatever's on their mind, they're going to let it shoot. And in fairness with Kyrie, I feel like I spoke from a basketball fan's perspective. I'm looking at it as, okay... This is a person in a privileged position. And he's just being an asshole. He doesn't want to take the shot. Gets fined. Misses games. His team loses him. Needs him. He says some shit about Jewish people. Well, he didn't say anything about Jewish people. He shared a link to some shit that talks shit about Jewish people. And he has to pay fines. He has to miss more games. And his team needs him. And I... Because I'm looking at it from that perspective, I'm saying shame on you, Kyrie. But at the same time, I do realize that the NBA, they're trying to make him an example. $500,000. Go to sensitivity training. Go meet with some rabbis. They're making him jump through all these hoops just to get back on the court. Now, I will say... There was no place for it. I get it. That's your personal uh, social media. I use my personal social media to speak my piece and this and that and the third. But I also have to be mindful of, hey, potential job employers, hiring coordinators could possibly scan, peruse through your social media. So please don't put out anything that that spews out hatred or vitriol towards a race don't sound bigoted steve don't say anything that's completely ignorant that makes you 
uh, persona non grata in the selection process. And because he's an NBA all-star, future Hall of Famer, he doesn't have to deal with that. But he does he does have endorsements. And Nike, they've already parted their ways with Kyrie. No Kyrie 8s for you, kids. So, I did want to bring that back up because I do say, like, hey, man, you are... Kyrie has always spoken out for the betterment of his people. I'll give him that, and I'm always behind that. I'll smoke the whole fucking bag of that. But at the same time, he does put his foot in his mouth and he cost himself and the people around him not only does that hurt him that hurts the Brooklyn Nets Kevin Durant even though I don't like him he kind of needs him to be his Robin they're both Robins to be honest with you because they're not alphas hey KD prove you're an alpha and win a championship without joining a team bitch But even outside of BDB, Durant, it's got Steve Nash fired. They don't even pay attention to him. They're just like, yeah, get the fuck. What do you know, you Canuck? Uh, we're, we're, we're hoopers. All right, take that. Take your fucking philosophy back to Canada. It just comes across really crass and egotistical. But I digress. But big ups to Kyrie, the person, not the NBA player. Now on Friday, Nas returns with King's Disease 3. And God damn it, he does not disappoint. Nas, for the last three years, has blessed us with instant classics. King's Disease 1, King's Disease 2, Magic, King's Disease 3. And the thing about King's Disease 3, I've realized he's finally gotten it. The thing that critics, his fans, hip-hop fans have been criticizing him for for the past, I don't know, decade and a half. And that is poor beat selection. He's finally unlocked Da Vinci Code because consistently, consistently throughout all those albums I've named, the beat selection is fire. He's always been criticized for being one of the greatest lyricists ever, but overall, in combination with the beats, uh, it makes for a, a, a C-grade quality. But this one, oh my God. And he even calls attention to that in one of the songs on King's Disease 3. King's Disease 3, it's 17 tracks, 51 minutes and 52 seconds. And uh, my favorite track, I don't even have a favorite track because all of this shit is fire. All of it got added to the playlist. King's Disease 3, check that shit out, man. It's nasty Nas in the fucking area. And also on Friday, Glorilla releases her latest project, Anyways, Life's Great. And I've heard about this Glorilla gal. I've seen her in memes. Cute girl. Not bad looking. She, she, she's a young thotty hottie, whatever the fuck you want to call that. But uh, upon first listen, I thought her voice sounds disgusting. I'm not even going to hold you. I, I think it sounds like uh, her voice doesn't match her face. Uh, I, I get La Chat vibes. I get, you know, Gangsta Boo vibes. But if they had harsher voices... It sounds as if Project Pat Ghost wrote for Glorilla. And 
her album Anyways Life's Great. It's nine tracks, 26 minutes, 21 seconds. And the girl, she's got flow. The only thing that was offsetting was her damn voice. Um, it's just very... And I did add one track off Anyways Life's Great, Tomorrow 2. And that's got Cardi B. And Cardi B is on that bitch ripping it up. I fucks with some Cardi B. But uh, Glorilla, this is only an EP. It's not a full-length album. But um, I will keep my ear out for future projects. But all things 1113. In 1987, The Running Man, starring Arnold Schwarzenegger, premiered in theaters. And also in 87, Sonny and Cher reunite for a performance on Late Night with David Letterman. In 1992, Bram Stoker's Dracula premiered in theaters. In 1993, ECW airs the pay-per-view November to Remember 93. In 1998, I Still Know What You Did Last Summer, as well as the film Meet Joe Black premiered in theaters. In 2001, Seven Dust released Animosity, Ghostface Killer released Bulletproof Wallets, Cannabis released C, True Hollywood Stories, and UGK released Dirty Money. In 2005, professional wrestler Eddie Guerrero dies at the age of 38 after being found unconscious in his hotel room. R.I.P. to the legend. In 2007, Bone Thugs and Harmony releases Thugs, and on that same day, Boys to Men release Motown, a journey through Hitsville, USA. In 2012, Soundgarden releases King Animal. In 2015, Ty Dolla Sign releases Free TC. In 2020, 2 Chains releases So Help Me God, and oh my god, what a fucking banger that album is. Tony! And also in 2020, ASAP Rock releases Spirit World, Field Guide, that shit goes hard in the paint, as well as Goody Mob's album, Survival Kit. But more important to me than all of that is that in 1991, a year before Bram Stoker's Jacular was released in theaters, Cape Fear premiered. And Cape Fear, directed by Martin Scorsese, starring Robert De Niro, Juliette Lewis, Jessica Lange, Nick Nolte, that shit, I, I didn't look at Robert De Niro the same. That man has versatility, and it's something about that connection. Him and Martin Scorsese, when they collab, it's going to be instant. Instant classic. That motherfucker played crazy just as good as anyone. Robert De Niro, I was convinced, and I think the world was convinced, so much so that the man was nominated in different award ceremonies for Best Actor. He played that fucking role. Max Cady. Robert De Niro is a true G. Today in sports history, in 1964, Bob Pettit of the St. Louis Hawks becomes the first NBA player to score 20,000 points. In 1968, as a rookie, future basketball Hall of Fame forward Elvin Hayes scores 54 points in San Diego Rockets' 122-120 win over the Detroit Pistons, a career high. On that same day in 68, Bob Gibson would edge out Pete Rose to win the National League MVP. In 1973, Oakland A's Reggie Jackson wins the American League MVP unanimously. In 1974, Dodgers Steve Garvey wins the National League MVP. 
1979, Pittsburgh Pirates outfielder Willie Stargell and St. Louis Cardinals first baseman Keith Hernandez shared the National League MVP award. In 1985, Dwight Gooden becomes the youngest 20-game winner, and he would win the Cy Young Award. In 1991, Boston Red Sox Roger Clemens wins the AL Cy Young Award. In 1992, Riddick Bowe wins the undisputed World Heavyweight Boxing Crown with a unanimous points decision over Evander Holyfield in Las Vegas, first of their three meetings. In 1996, Padres third baseman Ken Caminiti is the fourth unanimous winner of the National League MVP. In 1997, Ken Griffey Jr. unanimously wins the AL MVP. And in 2014, Clayton Kershaw and Mike Trout win the MVP awards in MLB for that year. And that was my half-assed sports history. Coming up, I'm going to discuss the film Cape Fear, released on this day in 1991. We'll be black after these messages. If I get a chance with it, get your soul to me and take it back quick Don't know what to make of that shit Sending roses to a vacant address Liquor's all you chasing, that's it You think it's a Jamaican accent This is not an intermission, I go straight through All I need is one round, but you could take two Told them make it up to me and they ain't make do I'm seasoning this, but I'm not here trying to make food How she hot because I put her on ice And she used to be a fan Went about her life when they threw me in a can Got her number just to let you know you goofy in advance Got your shorty on the side since you goofy in a ham Got my baby in the city with me full time Let the top down every time I pull out My plate full like it's seconds at the cookout You got the block hottest feeling like the hooks out Born in 92 You was born in 92 You always know just what to do Shorty with me too I was born in 92 You was born in 92 You always know just what to do Shorty want me too Yeah And a special mention to those no longer with us Last Sunday we lost American rapper Hurricane G Born Gloria Rodriguez in 1970 in Brooklyn, New York, she was of Puerto Rican descent 
and her 1997 single release, Somebody Else, charted at number 10 by Billboard magazine on Hot Rap Singles and at number 54 on their Hot R&B, Hip Hop Singles and Tracks chart. She was the Hit Squad's first female member and made guest appearances on albums by Keith Murray, Redman, Exhibit, Delinquent Habits, Funk Dubious, The Coco Brothers, and others. She also appeared on Puff Daddy's track, P.E. 2000. Her much-delayed debut album, All Woman, was released in 1997. Hurricane G died on November 6, 2022, at the age of 52. She is survived by her daughter, Lexus. On Wednesday, we lost American sports broadcaster, Fred Hickman. Born Frederick Hickman on October 17, 1956 in Springfield, Illinois, he was a broadcaster with CNN, TBS, Yes Network, and ESPN. He was later an anchor and managing editor for the evening newscast of the African-American cable news channel, Black News Channel. Hickman was an original co-host of the CNN show, Sports Tonight, in 1980. He received Cable Ace Awards in 1989 and 1993 and was a New York Sports Emmy Award winner in 2004. Hickman died of liver cancer at a hospital in Kissimmee, Florida on November 9, 2022, shortly after his 66th birthday. On Thursday, we lost American actor Kevin Conroy. Born on November 30, 1955 in Westbury, New York, he was best known as the voice behind the DC comic superhero Batman in various media, beginning with the 1990s Batman the Animated Series and its subsequent spin-off TV series and feature films in the DC Animated Universe. Due to the popularity of his performance as Batman, Conroy went on to voice the character for multiple films under the DC Universe Animated Original Movies banner and the critically acclaimed Batman, Arkham, and Injustice video games. Conroy died at Mount Sinai Hospital in New York City from intestinal cancer on November 10, 2022, at the age of 66. People who paid tribute to him include Mark Hamill, Tara Strong, Andrea Romano, Clancy Brown, Paul Dini, and James Gunn. On Friday, we lost American comedian Gallagher. Born Leo Anthony Gallagher Jr. on July 24, 1946 in Fort Bragg, North Carolina, he became one of the most recognizable comedic performers of the 1980s for his prop and observational routine that included the signature act of smashing a watermelon on stage with a sledgehammer. For more than 30 years, he played between 100 and 200 shows a year destroying tens of thousands of melons with the sledgehammer he called the Sledgeomatic. During a performance on March 10, 2011 in Rochester, Minnesota, Gallagher collapsed on stage, clutching his chest. He was rushed to St. Mary's Hospital, where it was determined that he had suffered a minor heart attack. A year later, on March 14, 2012, just before a performance in Louisville, Texas, Gallagher began to experience intense chest pains. Gallagher's manager said the comic suffered a mild to serious heart attack and was placed in a hospital in a medically induced coma while doctors tried to determine what was wrong with his heart. After replacing two coronary stents, doctors slowly brought him out of the coma on March 18, 2012. He quickly recovered and started talking to his family. His manager, Christine Scherer, stated that he was breathing on his own, moving and telling jokes. However, Gallagher would pass away on November 11, 2022 in hospice care at his home in Palm Desert, California.
The cause of death was organ failure from numerous heart attacks he suffered over the course of his life. He was 76. Gary Marshall was an American filmmaker and actor. Born Gary Kent Marshall on November 13, 1934 in New York City, he started his career in the 1960s writing for The Lucy Show and The Dick Van Dyke Show before he developed Neil Simon's 1965 play The Odd Couple for television in 1970. He gained fame for creating Happy Days from 1974 to 1984, Laverne and Shirley from 1976 to 83, and Mork and Mindy from 1978 to 82. He is also known for directing Overboard, Beaches, Pretty Woman, Runaway Bride, and the family films The Princess Diaries and The Princess Diaries 2, Royal Engagement. He also directed the romantic comedy ensemble films Valentine's Day, New Year's Eve, and Mother's Day. On the morning of July 19, 2016, Marshall, aged 81, died at a hospital in Burbank, California due to complications of pneumonia after suffering a stroke. Richard Mulligan was an American character actor. Born on November 13, 1932 in the Bronx, New York, he was known for his roles in the sitcom Soap from 1977 to 1981 and Empty Ness from 1988 to 1995. Mulligan was the winner of two Emmy Awards, 1980 and 1989, and one Golden Globe Award in 1989. Mulligan was also the younger brother of film director Robert Mulligan. On September 26, 2000, Mulligan died of colorectal cancer at his home in Los Angeles. He was 67 years old. At his own request, his remains were cremated and there was no funeral service. Mulligan was survived by his son James Mulligan from his first marriage and two brothers, Robert and James. Rest easy, y'all. On this day in 1991, Cape Fear premiered in theaters. Cape Fear is a 1991 American psychological thriller film directed by Martin Scorsese as a remake of the 1962 film of the same name, which was based on the John D. McDonald's 1957 novel, The Executioners. It stars Robert De Niro, Nick Nolte, Jessica Lange, Joe Don Baker, and Juliette Lewis. Robert Mitchum plays a small role in the film, while Gregory Peck in his final theatrical film role in Martin Balsam cameo. All three starred in the original film. The film tells the story of a convicted violent statutory rapist who, mostly by using his newfound knowledge of the law and its numerous loopholes, seeks vengeance against a former public defender whom he blames for his 14-year imprisonment because of the purposefully faulty defense tactics used during his trial. Cape Fear marks the seventh collaboration between Scorsese and De Niro. The film was a commercial success and garnered positive reviews, receiving Oscar and Golden Globe Award nominations for Best Actor, De Niro, and Best Supporting Actress for Juliette Lewis. Sam Bowden is a lawyer living in New Essex, North Carolina with his wife Lee and teenage daughter Danny. Max Cady, a former client of his, is released from prison after 14 years. 
Max was tried for statutory rape and battery of a 16-year-old girl and, appalled by the attack, Sam buried evidence of the victim's promiscuity and Max's unawareness of her actual age, which might have lessened the latter's sentence or even secured his acquittal. Sam believes that Max, who was illiterate at the time of his conviction, remains unaware of his purposefully botched offense. Unbeknownst to him, however, his former client is a naturally intelligent and single-minded psychopath. He learned how to read and study law in prison, and even unsuccessfully appealed his own conviction several times. He tracks Sam down and begins to terrorize the Bowden family. He lurks near the property, and the family dog is mysteriously killed. Sam attempts to have Max arrested, but the police have no evidence of a crime. Max intentionally crosses paths in a bar with county courthouse clerk Lori Davis, who was in love with Sam, then rapes and beats her nearly to death. Despite Sam's advice, she refuses to press charges out of fear that their ongoing platonic flirtation becomes public, as well as unwillingness to be cross-examined and humiliated by her own colleagues. Sam hires a private investigator, Claude Kersick, to follow Max. Max approaches Danny by impersonating her new drama teacher and feigning an unorthodox interest in her teenage angst. He lures her to the school theater, shares a joint with her, manipulates her libido, an attraction to him, and kisses her. Her parents find the joint in her school book, and Danny's coyness about the extent of Max's seduction drives Sam to the point of desperation. He then agrees to Kersick's plan, which he had dismissed earlier, to have Max beaten up. Sam also gives Max a final warning, which the latter secretly tapes with a hidden recorder. Kersick's three hired thugs accost and beat Sam as Sam watches from afar, but Max turns the tide on his attackers and viciously beats them instead. Max then uses the recording of Sam's threat in an exaggerated display of his own injuries to file for a restraining order against Sam. Lee Heller, Max's lawyer, also petitions the ABA Ethics Committee for Sam's disbarment, thereby triggering a two-day emergency meeting in Raleigh. Kersick anticipates Max's intention to enter the Bowden house while Sam is in Raleigh. The family fakes Sam's departure and hides in the house, hoping that Max will break in so that he can be shot in self-defense. However, Max kills the Bowden's housekeeper, Gracilia, and dons her clothing before murdering Kersick by garroting him with a piano wire and shooting him with his own pistol. Horrified after discovering the bodies, the Bowdens flee to their houseboat docked upstate along the Cape Fear River. Max, who has followed the family, attacks Sam and prepares to rape Lee and Danny while making Sam watch. Danny sprays Max with lighter fluid as he lights a cigar, engulfing him in flames and causing him to jump off the boat. However, Max clings to a rope and pulls himself back on board. As the boat is rocked by a violent thunderstorm in the raging river, a badly burned and deranged Max confronts Sam, putting him on a mock trial for his deliberate negligence 14 years ago. Despite Sam's insistence that Max bragged about beating two prior rape charges and that his crime was too heinous for the promiscuity report to be taken into account, Max berates him for failing to do his duty as a lawyer. The storm eventually knocks Max off his feet, allowing Sam to gain the upper hand once the women jump off the boat and make it to shore. Sam uses Max's handcuffs. The storm eventually knocks Max off his feet, allowing Sam to gain the upper hand once the women jump off the boat and make it to shore. 
Sam uses Max's handcuffs to shackle the ladder to the boat. When the boat hits a rock and is destroyed, the fight continues on shore, but a raging tide carries Max away and he drowns speaking in tongues and singing the hymn, On Jordan's Stormy Banks I Stand. Sam washes the blood from his hands before he rejoins Lee and Danny who realize that things will never be the same again for them. The film was adapted by Wesley Strick from the original screenplay by James R. Webb, which was an adaptation from the novel The Executioners by John D. MacDonald. It was originally developed by Steven Spielberg, who eventually decided it was too violent and traded it to Scorsese to get back Schindler's List, which Scorsese had decided not to make. Scorsese eventually agreed to do Cape Fear because Universal did support The Last Temptation of Christ. Spielberg stayed on as a producer through his Amblin Entertainment, but chose not to be credited personally on the finished film. Despite having worked with Nolte in New York stories, Scorsese did not have him in mind to portray Sam Bowden and wanted Harrison Ford to play the part instead. Ford, however, agreed to do the film only if he was going to portray Max Cady. Nolte, who was interested in portraying Bowden, managed to convince Scorsese to cast him for the part. In addition, Drew Barrymore and Reese Witherspoon both auditioned for the part of Danielle Bowden, and Spielberg reportedly wanted Bill Murray to play Katie. The six-foot Nick Nolte is taller than the five-foot-nine Robert De Niro, but for the movie, Nolte lost weight and De Niro developed muscles until he appeared to be the stronger man. Rotten Tomatoes' website reads, Smart and stylish, Cape Fear is a gleefully mainstream shocker for Martin Scorsese, with a terrifying Robert De Niro performance. Roger Ebert gave the film three stars, commenting Cape Fear is impressive movie making, showing Scorsese as a master of a traditional Hollywood genre who was able to mold it to his own themes and obsessions. But as I look at his $35 million movie with big stars, special effects, and production values, I wonder whether it represents a good omen from the finest director now at work. Happy anniversary, Cape Fear. Thank you, Mr. Scorsese. In today's birthdays for November 13th, turning 43 today is American basketball player, NBA Finals champ, and rapper, Metal World Peace. Happy 53rd birthday to Scottish actor Gerard Butler. Turning 55 is American actor and singer Steve Vaughn. Also turning 55 is American comedian, actor, and talk show host Jimmy Kimmel. Turning 59 is American football player Vinny Testaverde. Happy 67th birthday to American actress, comedian, and talk show host Whoopi Goldberg. And a very special happy 75th birthday to American actor and voice artist Joe Mantegna. So that wraps up another edition of Over the Culture Podcast. Uh, I want to send a very special happy birthday shout out to my great aunt Rebecca. Happy 90th birthday and many more. And please, as always, check out my other show, Happen in the 90s, every Thursday with me and my buddy Matt G. Crushgasm with Kendra on Wednesdays. B3F Podcast with Joey and Steve. And Don't Worry, Be Movie with Amanda and Wade. I've got to find a theater to see Black Panther 2. I can't just sneaky link this one. This is for the culture. R.I.P. Chadwick. Shout out to Ryan Coogler. 
Peace.